and welcome back for another episode of the Blackwatch Report. I'm your host, Thorn Rain. With me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Kyle Wynn. How are you doing this evening, sir? Pretty good. I uh, just finished, for the third time, the first season of The Mandalorian, because my wife wanted to watch it, so <laughs> I've now watched it three whole times through. Uh, we're going to get on to season two, which I'm also cut up on. But we're going to rewatch it again tonight, so... I've it's such a good show, man. If yeah. anyone is listener and has not watched it, uh, I strongly recommend it. It has gotten even better this season too than anyone could ever have believed it. Um, so besides watching Mandalorian and then playing Apex a lot, I haven't really done too much. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> basically what I've been doing, other than throw in the whole Walking Dead universe because like they've got oh, two okay. spinoffs and the newest spinoff just wrapped well technically wrapping tonight but I have AMC Plus so I've already watched the two hour like season one finale so um not a bad show good it's kind of like a like a teeny bopper show it's all about teens in the zombie apocalypse a little weird <laughs> Like, what show is that? It's called Walking Dead World Beyond. It's oh, okay. Ten years into the zombie apocalypse, and it follows a group of like coming of age teenagers trying to venture off to find their lost dad. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Got some cool stuff that ties into all the other shows. I, I dig it because all the shows tie into each other, so you'll see hints here and there. But uh, yeah, I can't stress the Mandalorian enough. It is phenomenal, and we got an absolute amazing episode this week. Like, oh yeah, I was—I I never watched any of the cartoons, but as soon as I saw her, I was like, "I know who she is," <laughs> and she's yeah. a she's pretty bad. A eh? like it was yeah, it was seen, nice. I've seen a good chunk. I don't think I've gotten past the first season. I have it all. Like I have, I mean, I've got it all. I can watch it all, but like I, I, it's just, I don't know because it's such like a, there's so many episodes. There's like a hundred mm-hmm. something episodes of the Clone Wars. Like it's hard to catch up and like be on. So I've, I've gotten like in the first season a bunch of times, but it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of a, a more young focused show. It's kind of a kid's show. And so like you get vibes of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, some good, some good, I mean, it's the same director behind both shows, and so you get like a lot of the, the same characters and stuff, and it's just super good stories. So, yep. I could talk forever on how good that show is, but you know, not again, a Mandalorian this podcast. Is, this is not a Mandalorian podcast as much as I wish it was. <laughs> that, that's idea. I only think there's a handful of those right now, but oh, there's uh, there's only there's only like nine or ten thousand yeah. uh, Star Wars themed podcasts. Yep, ten <laughs> ten billion. <laughs> Every time yeah. I turn around, somebody's creating a Star Wars podcast, and they get pretty like niche in what they cover. Like, oh yeah, like we're gonna only cover between BBY fifty-five and fifty-six on this show. <laughs> what happens fifty-five years after the Battle of Yavin? Uh, we we know in the lore, and just like that's just what they do for the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have enough time for that. I would love to because I love me some Star Wars, but. Good God, I ain't got that type of time. Not with that much content. But <laughs> nope. let's roll down into this news. News brought to you by our patrons, as always. Head over to patreon.com slash blackwatchreport. Sign up at the $2 level. You can become a sponsor of our news this week's sponsor, Mr. Shrugoff. Thank you so much, sir. Kyle, take us away on this uh, light news week. 
All right, so we got two things. First off, we have Dark Mode announces their roster. Normally, we don't really go through, like, tier three rosters. Um, but there's a, a bit of one. an interesting... There's an interesting a couple of names on here that we recognize. We'll start from the bottom up, right? So we got yeah. Moser and Carrots uh, as a support line. I feel like this was the old Slept On slash Revival mm-hmm. support line. Could be wrong there, but it sounds correct. Uh, we've got Annex... Uh, chopper and elva ow uh as the dps line and then on tank you've got odd and muma the former uh houston outlaws main tank come in playing with dark mode and we'll kind of figure out how well they're doing uh in a later section here but it's a bit of an interesting roster and it's always interesting i think is the only way i can say it's always interesting to see overwatch league players come down in uh into contenders or i guess in gauntlet qualifiers um i would have hoped that he'd find a better team i think we talked about this yesterday when it got announced like mm-hmm. is that is dark mode the highest he could get is the highest spot um because i guess the next one i mean maybe maybe the next one is also like there is no space in any of the currently qualified na gauntlet teams for main tanks so yeah um so we know that Doge just kind of disappeared off of the map. The team, not the player, because he's still playing. Actually, on this team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, no. No. I was just looking at the team that he was on. Um, but Salieri moving over to square one. I mean, we knew that Doge just kind of, you know, vaporized and all the players went everywhere else um i mean i guess let's see aspen came over from doge aspen's on i think square one as well yeah she's yeah, on so square, square one, one has two former doges two former doge players um kind of getting an upgrade here milky man's a good tank we've never had too many issues with milky man um but adding salieri and I'm gonna assume that Root is the off tank. Yeah, uh, Diva Sigma so. Zarya. So we're gonna probably see a maybe a rotation between Milky Man and Salieri, but I'm thinking that yeah. Salieri is gonna get the the brunt of the main tank work here for phase two or uh, square one. So if I'm not mistaken, this could just be because he's a uh, a Norse main tank that he probably plays a lot more Reinhardt. Uh, but that's just a generalization. <laughs> Don't put too much on that. But I'm pretty sure Milky Man like is actually like his bread and butter is the Reinhardt. And so mm-hmm. Salieri played a lot of the ball, a lot of Winston, a lot of Orissa. And so if we're looking at a a lot of Sigma Orissa and Sigma Ball, more so Sigma Ball lately. A lot, I, of, a lot of people ball. have been saying like regular double shield is like the meta, but like at least in the matches we've seen in Korea and North America, it is I have not seen much Orissa at all. Um, so that could be what Salieri is in for. Maybe he's got the better ball on Arissa if need be for those two. So it's an interesting pickup, but good to see Salieri at least land on team because he's one of those players that like, I, f- I fear that if he didn't land back on a team, he would kind of just putter out and probably just leave. Cause he'd only been on a team for, you know, eight months. So yeah, Chu literally just signed him like at the beginning of this se- like this year of mm-hmm. contender series so um fresh fresh in competitive and he looked phenomenal on envy looked good on doge 
So it's going to be interesting to see how he, you know, meshes with the square one group going into uh, the gauntlet. Because if I'm not mistaken, square one is right into the gauntlet. So they uh, they get the pass right into the, I believe the the big rounds. So get to see him there. But yeah, Actually, are they? I feel like they might not have been. No, wait. Maybe they are in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, square one is in. I think it was phase two I was thinking of that is not in. Yeah, and that's where I was are. thinking Doge, because Doge is on right. phase two. Phase it's, two, square one. I will never not get confused. It's by always that, dude, the I numbers. Swear. Yeah, but only two bits of news this week, all the numbers. Let's roll down into our quick play here. We're going to be talking about the Korea Gauntlet qualifiers. Uh, not covering the open because, good God, all of these opens are massive, and that would just take way too long. So we're going to go over the, um, what was it exactly called? The Round three, the round, closed yeah, qualifiers. Closed qualifiers. It's, they had open qualifiers, which were round one, closed qualifiers, which were round two, and then three. So it was a single Elam bracket that fed, fed into a double Elam bracket, and the highest ranked teams got automatically seated into the the final bracket so element mystic talon diamond and uh or no element mystic and talon both got seated in while diamond gen g and t1 had to seed in the other way o2 blast also got a buy-in as well super confusing bracket yep. but <laughs> so a bunch <laughs> the of only those thing with that matters is the round three bracket and that's what we're going to be talking about here so um I'll just run through this, the whole bracket real quick up until we get to the two matches that we're going to cover. So, Team BM falls to Team Diamond, 3-1. O2 Blast beats Gen G, 3-2, sending Gen G down to the lower bracket. That's an important little distinction here. Uh, down in the first round of the lower bracket, Gen G beats T1, 3-0. And Team BM beats, or I'm sorry, Team BM falls to Gen A. Now that sets up, we've got Element Mystic versus Team Diamond. Element Mystic take that 3-2. Talon Esports fall to O2 Blast, giving us Team Diamond versus Gen G. Gen G takes that 3-1. Talon beats Gen A 3-1. Over in the losers round three, Gen G beats Talon 3-0. Setting up the two matches that we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about Element Mystic versus O2 in the winners, I guess, qualifiers finals. Winner of that qualifies, and then we will be talking about, I really can't the say. Loser. The loser versus Gen G, basically. Yeah, the loser, loser versus Gen G, uh, giving us our two qualifiers going into the gauntlet for Korea. So, Kyle, start us off with this Element Mystic versus O2 Blast matchup here. So, starting off, um, let me. I, I wanted to pull up the Element Mystic roster, because... We're in the weird point in time in which we have a lot of players who have been pulled out elsewhere to go uh, on their Overwatch League teams, but also some people have stayed back on their rosters. So um, we saw that Choice of One, MCD, and Ansoon J have all left, and they are not on the roster, and they have not been playing. Um, so Choice of One was their DPS player, MCD was support, Ansoon J was also support. Um 
Meanwhile, you have on O2 Blast, they kept all of their players, even after Pelican was signed. Um, he is still playing, and that's an interesting thing to note, because he was actually playing as a support this matchup, which was super odd. Um, but on the Elk Mystic side, one of the weird things I noticed is that you still have uh, MN3, who is a hitscan player, and Heesing, who is primarily a hitscan player. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, is he not? I mean, we saw him mostly play Tracer when we have seen, but I thought he also played some other hitscan players. Uh, but it says here's Genji Tracer. Are, yeah, it says his signatures are Doom Genji Tracer, which maybe I was wrong on that, but he. Um, yeah, he. <laughs> played quite a lot i guess choice one was also a flex so he's kind of the the in-between spot but um he ended up playing quite a lot of the flex here a lot of the echo a lot of tracer the the meta is very much like a ash tracer sig ball zen uh brig brig mostly sometimes zen will swap to a a bap it's a weird meta at the moment a lot of people are saying it's double shield, but I've seen mostly ball sig, so that's what we're looking at. Um, first map, Lijing Tower, pretty strong from Element Mystic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's saying on the Tracer, a known quantity, and, and by known, I mean known to be top level. Literally, the only thing keeping this kid out of OWL is his age. Uh, how old is he right now? Is he still like 16, 16 15? 15. He's saying 15. He might be, I forget how they... No, maybe. Yeah. Super young. Not till uh 2023 will he be eligible, I don't believe. Yep. So, brutal. Long uh, time. But he was he was nuts this matchup particular. Um MN3 was playing mostly hit scan and he was just popping off uh doing a lot of big plays and so, something interesting which is the name of this episode is what it is. Both of these matches were not cast in English. They were exclusively in Korean. Uh, we had to find them in a difficult way. We had to like go through the Liquipedia link uh, and watch it on a completely Korean text and uh, audio YouTube channel. Yep. Which was fun. Was interesting. interesting. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever watched a full Korean match before, but yeah, we watched two of them and just picked up on like learning via osmosis, I guess. <laughs> uh, but that was, it, it's been it was interesting. Yeah, and uh, as far as Element Mystic goes, Kellen on Control Center was absolutely getting bullied by Carrion for a little while, getting pushed off of the point. Um, Kellen was getting plenty of, of heals, was able to stay up, rotated around kind of to the uh, the door that leads to the outside. Uh, it goes outside and then to the high ground with the Mega Health Pack, and... While he's battling Carrion, the um who is playing the junk rat for O2 Blast, they throw a rip tire at him. He's able to back away from Carrion, survive the assault from the hammer, and right as the rip tire's coming up over the wall, drop the shield down in front of it, negate it, push back into the point and start the fight that ends up taking the point back from O2 Blast all while not dying. Um, just absolute crazy coordination between the supports, Kelling knowing when to back out, advance, 
super great plays here. Over on the O2 blast side, I only had one thing to say um, on Li Zhang, and it was super weird. And I noticed it again in the later match, except it played out a little bit different. Um, O2 blast used the Symmetra teleport to teleport, like, basically right into the, um, the little shops area that's kind of inside of uh, Mar uh, Night Market. The weird thing is, is they never advanced out of that. Element Mystic literally went into the courtyard, played a little bit in there with them, but went out into the courtyard, went right to the point, took the point, and then O2 Blast was just unable to do anything at that point. Um, Element Mystic took Night Market 99-0 after just bullying their way down. So the literally the Symmetra teleport did nothing for them because they just sat in the back room and didn't use the speed advantage or the the rotation properly and just kind of forfeited all of the momentum that they could have gained from the teleport. Very odd to yeah, see. Yeah, that definitely was a weird one. Um, this actually, both of these matchups were quite weird. There's a lot of like weird, super strong point holds here. Um, Volskaya was one of them. Normally mm -hmm. we see teams cap out Volskaya. I think we like double cap out. We actually didn't see that this time around. Uh, on the second map, Element Mystic took Volskaya 2 1. Um, pretty strongly here. I think they, yeah, it was just a capping, like a, they, they held O2 Blast to like two and a half ticks ish. So yep. all they needed to do was cap that, you know on their attack and they were able to win it out. Um, particularly MN3 gets a really big pick here. I think on the end to finish uh, their final fight. Or no, I think this was on the stall. Um, because Finn ha was like 96 on train. No, this was their attack. I remember this specifically. Uh, and MN3 goes in, gets the pick onto Finn at 96% on transcendence on the final fight. Um, so we didn't see as much like huge plays from MN3, I think because he was mostly not on the, he's more on like the sniper heroes, which usually are just outputting damage and not quite as finishing kills. That's usually the more mobile tracer who sees someone who's like 90% dead and then just finishes them off yep. um, after like a big ash headshot or something like that. Yeah. And then on the support line for element mystic, uh, vigilante dominating on Volskaya, just literally um, taking out Finn in, like, the long-range 1v1s constantly, um, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Tracer for O2 Blast. There were so many times where it wasn't even, like, the assisted, where it was, oh, you know, Vigilante plus, you know, this person plus this person killed this person. No, Vigilante was just clicking heads. Had a phenomenal uh, map on Volskaya. And then over for O2 Blast, uh, the only reason they got point A, uh, Taru, absolutely goes full-on aggression as the Echo. Um, hard dives both of the supports, gets both of the supports with the little sticky bombs, and then finishes them off with the little laser beam. Then as he's doing that, um, who was it? Uh, Kellen rolls around on the ball and is trying to get out of the side room with the little health pack right through the first choke point and uh true just chases him down slaughters him 
he's uh he sang's up in the sky on the echo he then flies up there and takes out he sang and then fully takes point a they're not able to do anything when they get to point b but uh true really made taking point a look easy had a little bit yeah. of a difficult time on uh, point b though and then moving into King's Row, where again, Element Mystic take this 5-4, so both teams do complete out, um, and then some, and it's just Element Mystic in the end who were able to cap farther. We saw Vigilante again getting like super duper high frags here. I think it was like a 2 or 3k he got in one of the fights on first. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think there's a couple of moments as well where he was smart about when he had Transcendence and didn't get baited by like a tracer to use trance and instead waited until the gravitic flux came out uh from o2 blast i think kalios was playing that um waited until that came out and then trance to save his team and kind of a, a more uh, high impact ultimate as opposed to just like i'm gonna save myself with transcendence um and then one of the other reasons that o2 were able to kind of get so much done is kilo on the mccree here i don't think we've seen much of either of these two players because we really had pelican and proper for the last couple of months pretty much just all timing on o2 blast um so obviously once you lose another top player you've got this you know, opening now for i think they rotated taro and kilo in um for each other so you kept uh proper in most of the time um because they're expecting pelican to go to Atlanta soon-ish uh, as soon as Visa stuff gets taken care of. So I think he was playing on this roster. Uh, I don't remember if he was playing in this match, but he played for sure in the next one, um, which was interesting. But Kilo and the McCree especially was doing a lot of work to keep back uh, MN3 on the Tracer and the tank line, uh, really able to help O2 kind of move more than they had in previous maps. So... It was a kind of a, a nice little key to victory and it almost worked out in their favor on this map, but it just, they weren't able to get as much um, progress on the second rounds. Yep. They, they definitely looked to come to life on King's Row, yeah. but they were already too far behind to be able to do anything, pull anything out after that. So that sets up O2 Blast versus Genji. And the reason I said what I said earlier O2 Blast sent Gen G down into the loser's brackets in the very first round, taking it 3-2. This matchup also goes to 5, but it goes to Gen G. Gen G take it 3-2. Um, it was a phenomenal matchup. Kyle, why don't you take us away? We're starting off on Busan here. Yeah, this is a weird matchup because there were so many full holds mm -hmm. on this. Um and like two O's and one O's and three O's and one O's and all sorts of wild stuff. Uh, Busan in particular was pretty strong from Genji here. This meta is very much relying on strong tracer play. It kind of takes me back to the old like GC Busan with profit uh, kind of days. And we're seeing a lot of that um, with just a really, really next level uh, tracer able to kind of carry a team to victory here. Obviously, it's not just Stalker on Genji doing work, but he was exceptional, particularly in this map, but also so many others. Um, and I think part of that 
I remember specifically on Mecha Base, you had so much pressure from Itzal and Toyu um, put on to O2 Blast that they were so worried about this tank line that as soon as they're like, okay, we have a second to breathe, Stalker double blinks in, or sometimes even triple blinks, hits a pulse bomb on a support, recalls out, and is just fine. Uh, meanwhile, your Brig's dead. Now you're waiting. Even on another time when you were waiting on a match or waiting on a, another team fight, you're like, okay, now we have a bit of time. But, oh, our Brig's dead. Cool. Um, really uh, strong play from Stalker here. It's one of the, kind of the main um, interesting things. And as I mentioned previously, you have Pelican on the other side. Uh, playing support, I think maybe because, I mean, they, they have support options for O2 Blast, which is weird. Like you have um, Neko, who is primarily playing their main support previously. Um, I just find that odd of, on why you've got Pelican playing up Brig in most of this, but it did allow um, O2 to utilize their uh, Teru and Kilo a bit more on, mm -hmm. on the DPS spot. So it doesn't make sense, but it worked out for him okay-ish here. Um, moving in to Volskaya. So, so another thing you mentioned previously about how Terry was playing pretty aggressive here, um, going for the sticky bombs and then finishing off with the focusing beams. Ezhan was able to kind of bait in, uh, bait Terry into playing that. And I think he got the sticky bombs onto, I think, O2's main tank, or uh, Genji's main tank. And they ducked into the room on the opposite side of the mega pack on Volskaya first. And Ezhan just finished him out, I think, with like a nice double shot and then the TNT. Um, really punishing the aggression here. And it was one of the reasons they were able to sustain for so long against the aggressive attack uh, from O2 Blast. And we were able to get the full hold. Yeah, it, it was definitely kind of a pattern with Teru on the way he was playing. If he landed the sticky bombs... He would basically throw a couple direct shots and just instantly dive bomb with the laser onto people. And uh, he paid for it here. But you mentioned Stalker playing a lot, showing a lot. Um, a very fitting name here because um, constantly in the back line of O2 on the Tracer, um, constant, like, he was one of the reasons why. O2 wasn't able to get past point A, and he was 100% the reason why they took point A so easily uh, on their attack. He got a phenomenal 2K pulse bomb, um, and then just literally was blinking around the back line, hunting people down. There was no no calm moment from Stalker playing on Volskaya here. Um, if you want to watch aggressive Tracer play, watch stalker play <laughs> on the How the tracer is this kid is he uh i don't think he's of age yet is he no he's still 17 and doesn't turn 18 until august so he'll yeah. probably be next I think season we actually might maybe have a couple of agents next year mm -hmm. um like yeah we mentioned this year like there's not really many players like aging in to the league like now you've it's basically like Actually, can't think of any really um, who just turned eighteen and now they're being picked up. So he might be part of that, like on a 
big name roster. They might pay pretty big money for him. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see next year. But for the meantime, he's just kind of chilling on Gen G until he turns 18. Uh, moving into King's Row, this was a weird one. So O2 start out. Get a pretty good run on their attack all the way to the end. Um, I think one of the weirdest moments is uh, Quasit, who's the Gen G su flex support on the Zenyatta, transcendences as proper is on hitting the dragon blade and i think proper is normally also a hit scan player here as well um because pelican was primarily the flex player so again there's just there's the line is being blurred lately between these two um yeah he's been playing ash mccree reaper tracer but brought out the genji made it work Got a 4K blade even while Quasid was transcendencing, which was absolutely wild. He just found whoever was separated enough. And then when the transcendence ended, he also then killed Quasid, which was pretty comedic. Um, like, even, even if you use transcendence, I don't care. I will still kill your entire team. So, proper showing he's got the chops to play really whatever his team needs at any given time. And again, another player that's just too young. To play, unfortunately. Yep. Although he turns 17. I think he'll also be another age uh, of age player by next season because he turns 17 December 1st. So we have a lot of players by 2022 season going to come on in and that's going to be a huge roster or a, a huge potential pickup. Moving into another weird one. Route 66. Again, another full hold from... Uh, O2 blast. Genji just not unable to uh crack this one open. Stalker again. Lit, like it was not to his fault really it seems like. He was doing his absolute hard like I got like a 2 or 3k pulse bomb in the tunnel and while he did that his team still died. Mm -hmm. Um one clipping people everywhere. But on the flip side one of the main things that we saw was Kilo swapped to the widow here. We saw a bit of it in King's Row. I think that was part of the reason they were able to full hold after their attack. Uh, was Kilo on the Widow on defense. And here he goes on the defense again with the Widowmaker. Um, it's a good combo of like hitting like a body shot and the Tracer goes to finish the, the target off. Um, a lot of stuff like that, as well as Finn um, using smart ult rotations, not getting baited. Um, Stuff like that, not using transcendence when he has a tracer on him or when he has a pulse bomb by his feet or whatever. He instead waits until there's a big ult, like a gravitic flux that he needs to nullify or something like that. So that was an interesting one. Um, pretty strong. It's it's so interesting to see like an O2, an O1 for O2 blast, and then a 3O and a then a 10 on the flip side. So it really comes down to map picks, which is interesting, right? It's just a weird series, and that takes us... Actually, no, you have a point here. Yeah, um, he, you mentioned a little bit about proper finishing things up. Um, again, talking about baiting out ultimates. Uh, going into the final fight on that fuller hold, as you had called it, uh, the Zenyatta for Genji was sitting on top of Big Earl's Diner, and... Proper goes up before the team fully initiates. They're kind of just poking it this time. 
drops a pulse bomb directly, sticks it to him, forces the trance out. O2 doesn't fully engage until the trance is done. As the tra trance, you know, wraps up, they start to make their, their full-blown attack and are able to start to pick people off. Um, Proper's pulse bomb was basically the the starting moment of the the winning fight. Because um, had Genji had the uh, the trance during the the middle of the brawl that was happening on the cart, uh, it very well could have went Genji's way. But uh, man, Proper was just all over the place. He was doing work on the tanks. Pulling ultimates out of the supports. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when proper ages in. What he can do playing in the Overwatch League. Because it's phenomenal. Yep. Uh, not quite phenomenal enough to get his team into the gauntlet though. But that's not just on him. So close to that reverse sweep, man. Yeah. like there. I think this was literally, like, yeah, the final fight here came down on Li Zhang. Um, because it was a one-two, so I think they took the first one to O2 Blast pretty strongly, I believe. Yep. Uh, and then on the flip side, Stalker again keeps coming back, and a lot. I think this ended on Night Market as well. There was a couple of fights where it's like, all right, final fight, tear. Oh, Stalker got the first kill. Oh, okay. That was like, and it's just like huge plays here. I think he killed the enemy Zen, um, as well. So, yeah, I think he got the the pick on Finn right before the final fight here. So really big plays from him, especially um, was one of the reasons he's going to be absolutely a player to look out for in yep. the gauntlet coming up. And I'm going to take it back to the final fight on control center that Gen G won because it is a stalker early pick moment where he goes up to the high ground through the back. He comes out, he, Double blinks out, pulse bombs midair, basically at the top of the skybox inside of control center, lands the pulse bomb onto Turu, who's playing the echo again, blows Turu out of the sky. The rest of Gen G then initiate, take the point, and win off of that pulse bomb. So there were so many times where his pulse bombs were literally the catalyst to win a map. Stalker did what he needed to do, and then it set everything in motion for them to take the map. It's crazy. Like, I love watching some Tracer and Echo play from the Korean teams because they're just absolutely bananas with the way that they play the characters. Yeah, it was. This was a phenomenal match, um, and I'm loving this meta too. Like, I love seeing the tracer. The ash is pretty good as well. You still have the flexibility for like the Genjis, the widows, which again are hugely fun to watch. But Kree, same thing. You don't have any like obnoxious DPS being played. You've got good echo play being done. Um, really, like my favorite DPS heroes to watch are in here. Like the only thing we're not seeing a Reinhardt or a Winston, too much diva stuff like that, which are kind of my. My favorites to watch. Uh, we're seeing the Sig, which is okay, and the Ball, which is like, meh, fine. Um, so, I mean, it's a pretty good meta to watch, and I'm I'm hoping it sticks through for for the Gauntlet, and I don't really see too much of a sign that it's going to switch anytime soon. Yep. Um, so it should be exciting. Um, and so to kind of 
go back and uh, finalize what we have coming for Gauntlet for our teams. We've got Flag Gaming for China, Team CC for China, Billy Billy, and First Fabulous Fighter. Uh, rounding out the top four from China that made it in. You've got WGS, Phoenix, Runaway, Elt Mystic, and Gen G making it in for Korea. For the ACE region, still don't know what that is. Uh, Team A-Bang is in. And then for Australia, you've got Ground Zero in. Should be should be pretty interesting. I'm kind of looking forward to potentially getting a Runaway Element Mystic showdown again. I love watching element mystic runaway um especially with the way element mystic's been playing genji looking phenomenal uh we might have to do quite a bit of watching on this uh korean side because i'm sure that we're gonna get some great games out of this setup here but that takes yep, us lots happening <laughs> takes us into the main discussion which we're just gonna kind of take a look at what's going on over in the na open quals so Let's see here. Pop that open. Yeah, there's a lot happening. I think it's currently underway right now. So I believe the um, final wanna, like, match of the day is going on. I yeah, I didn't want to post a bracket and have us uh, accidentally no. miss out on matches from this morning or whatever. Actually, everything is done for today. Uh, okay. You go down to the bracket. The quarterfinals are completely finished or completely set up. Um, it's just quarters, semis, and finals coming yep. up. And those are next awesome. weekend. So, and actually, pretty big shocker in this quarterfinals that I'm looking at here. So, how do we want to break uh, this down? Because there's a lot of teams. What? Oh, 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 yeah. that's sad. Okay. Yeah. Um. Really, let's just talk about the round of 16s and then preview the quarterfinals. Because uh, other than the round of 16, there's not really much happening in the round of 64s and 32s. Like most of the no-name teams didn't make it. Most of the hey, I recognize that name teams did make it. So, um, our zero take out UDG to move into the quarters, where they face off against Dark Mode, who beat out Beijing Bears. Uh, and then in the major upset here is Kara, Q-A-R-A, take out Phase 2, who's, a, again, like a big roster. This is the extremely multinational team of uh, terrible ping with Jordanian, Toxicer, Doge, J-Cap, Lep, and Doggo. Um, that didn't make it, unfortunately, uh, where they faced off against No Evil, who took out 8-Burst. And if you want to cover the lower yep. half here. Uh, last hope beating out last second. That's that's a that's a match that happened. Yep. Hope <laughs> always beats second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, attack mode falling to Kratos. DTM falling to LFT, and then walk towards beating NA avoided. So that sets up the semifinals of last hope versus Kratos. LFT versus walk towards. Um, winners of this of these quarterfinals guaranteed spots into the uh, yeah, what is that? Uh, the gauntlet, which yeah, it's top is, four teams, which is wild, man. And like looking at the gauntlet bracket for the main event, it's a little weird. Uh, so the first round is. Square One, Revival, Drifters, 
and Uprising. Each one of them will play one of the top four coming out of uh, the open bracket. Losers from those go down to the losers round one, and then the losers from the winners' quarterfinals will then go down, and then we're in a pretty standard uh, double Elim bracket. But I don't know. Depending on Uprising Academy has to play the second place from the open qualifier. We could see Uprising Academy in the losers bracket off the start. Yep. Because if yep. if they end up against somebody like Dark Mode, actually, oh man. No, they might they might get the buy because I think Dark Mode would be yep. the only one out of these teams. Um, I don't know enough about Kara or No Evil. Um, yeah, I'm expecting Dark Mode is... to get through, but the, basically the rest of these teams I don't know anything about. There's a significant spread of experience and I would say skill between the top level teams like your Tornadoes uh odysseys and stuff like that versus like the bottom teams like the ones that we have never heard of before like um lft and walk towards and even like last hope there's no like kara no eve like i don't any of these teams they may have one player who i remotely heard of watching a trials game once Mm -hmm. like it's there's a very big spread between these. Same thing in uh, Europe as well. They have a very similar system happening. They've got their open qualifiers happening. Angry Titans making their way through it just fine. But other than that, you've also got Vox and Hilly and Shoes Money Crew um, in the bottom of that bracket as well. A lot of teams. And again, you've got, for EU, you've got 12 teams qualifying when Normally, you only have eight in contenders, which is super interesting to see. Um, and so you're getting like trials teams facing off against top level contenders teams for a hundred thousand dollar prize pool, 40k for the winner, dude. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Like, imagine there is potential for a grand upset of a team who no one has heard of it's very unlikely but like it is potential for a team who has never won even trials before this and made it into contenders to beat out all of the top contender teams and walk away with 40k that's interesting do i think it's gonna Meanwhile, happen no would i love yeah. to see it yes it would be amazing <laughs> uh meanwhile in korea you've got Four teams from Korea can make it into their region. When literally uh, into the gauntlet. Any of the top 12 teams could probably have a shot against the majority of the teams outside of Korea that are playing in this gauntlet. Like, it's crazy to think that, uh, let's, O2 Blast. O2 Blast doesn't get to play, but A-Bang and Ground Zero are playing. Do I think O2 Blast would wipe the floor with Ground Zero and A-Bang? 100%. Yeah. That's that's the world we currently live in. Thank you so much, COVID. I hate you. (laughs) Because, like, 
it works like i mean asia is doing it right because they have it's a smaller in terms of like geographical spread mm-hmm. of major countries so china is relatively close to korea which is relatively close to these pack areas um you cannot do that with euna it's no. un- like it's just too far um so we okay. don't get to see this interregional play like we're seeing like we, we've always wondered like okay well there has been kind of a resurgence of these Chinese contenders teams and players coming up and looking really good. And like Overwatch League teams are picking up a lot of these top uh, Chinese ta- uh, players. And now we get to see them play against the Korean talent and see who is better from there. Meanwhile, you've got this constant like who's better, EU or NA. Is British Hurricane that much better than every other team or is every other team in EU just bad? Like there's no way to really know. And we're going to have a like 120 millisecond plus ping um show match worth nothing just because it, you can't have a match played on that high of ping and consider it to be a competitive yep uh a com- with competitive integrity at all uh it, and it's just unfortunate and there's no way to like fix that or do anything besides like having to fly in teams to places and just play in a empty warehouse or from hotel rooms. Uh, it's just Each really team not gets their own hotel floor. Sucks. Yep. That's, that's how we do contenders from here on out. <laughs> Blizzard buy a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shame, but we at least have some form of the gauntlet, even though it's like the budget gauntlet, basically, yeah. The uh, Asia region gets the most gauntlet-type matchup because we're actually going to mm-hmm. see the cross-region. Um, but like you said, NA really can't play EU on any sort of fair ping. And NA and South America can't even really play on any sort of fair ping because you get right. a terrible ping between those two also. And we're it's connected to them. Far, dude. It is yeah. far. It is far away to get to some of these teams that would be playing from South America against NA, which is why you don't really see that happening either. Um, Hopefully 2021 gets us back to some sort of normality and we can have in-person events and we get to go back to having the gauntlet where two or three teams from every region represents and they come to the east coast of the united states of america so i can go to a contender's gauntlet and not have to like go to a whole nother country that'd be amazing yeah but that's basically it uh next week uh we're gonna be going over the naeu asia gauntlet previews um we should have everything wrapped up by the time we start to record so we should be able to have some sort of outlook on the way the brackets are going to be uh, happening. Who's going to be playing who. We might even throw like a little bracket thing together. Don't know exactly. I'm going to start looking into uh, how feasible that is this week. And uh, we'll be tweeting that out if we do do anything. But Kyle, mm-hmm. where can they find you on the internet? You can find me... Um... A lot of a lot of play. I updated my Twitter thing so people can kind of know where I'm doing things now. My Twitter header thing, um, so you can go there. Twitter.com/slash Kyle the Winner. Uh, I've got all my kind of links to where I'm working and doing stuff. Um, other podcasts I'm doing. 
So check that out for uh, all of my my location places across the internet. Um, not my IRL location, y'all. Y'all don't need to know that. Uh, it's creepy. But <laughs> yeah, please, please, please listen, listen, let's not do that. Um. Anyways, yeah. So just follow me on Twitter and uh, keep a close eye on all the cool things that I've been doing lately. Cool. You can find me over on Twitter at Thorn Rain. Uh, when I do stream, very seldom. Um, but I'm probably going to start this week. Um, we started on Friday. Got a couple matches in. Uh, we're doing this Apex tournament. I might start streaming out uh, our Apex games that we're doing. Uh, That'd be cool, yeah. Nothing major. Just a four-fun tournament. You win, you get a cool Discord uh, name in the Mash Those Buttons Discord. That's all it's for. Nothing <laughs> super cool. But uh, if I do stream that, I'll tweet it out on all of the accounts. But if you're an audio listener, head over to Twitch, twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. Hit that follow button. We'll give you a shout out. If your name is on Prime subscriber, that means you have Twitch Prime. And you can subscribe to us for absolutely free. Uh, we are affiliates and it helps out a ton. But if you want to help out completely free, leave us a review. Send it in. Let either me or Kyle know on Twitter. And we will read your review live on the show. Give you your shout outs. Find the show over on Twitter at Blackwatch Report. No, own that report. And you can email the show, blackwatchreport at gmail.com. Follow the show right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. We record live Sundays, 6 p.m. Eastern. Our intro music is an original piece by our own Mr. Kyle Wynn. This has been a High Noon production. You can find all of our shows over at highnoonpodcast.com and come and chat with all of the hosts from Blackwatchport, High Noon Podcast, and all of the other seasonal shows that we throw in over on the Discord at discord.me slash highnoonpodcast. And with that, Blackwatch out.